Welcome back to Soulback. This is the RMB Podcast. Kyle here, and I've got Tom and Ed with me. What is going on, guys? What's up, players? Um, uh, it is spring in Alabama, and your boy is congested. I'm out here sounding like the worst. But considering some of these vocals that y'all forced me here, and I guess I'm used to it, so it's all good. I'll suck up the snot and roll. Now, Ed, man, we missed you last week. There was some speculation going around the internet that uh, since music was on the podcast, you decided to sit that one out. Is there any truth to that? Oh, my gosh. Listen to the rumors flying. I guess you work for Media Takeout now. (laughs) Your boy was out of town and had some stuff to handle. So, of course, Tom slides in his hero when Papa Bear is out of town. But it's all good. Great episode, by the way. We figured out then that you were probably out celebrating Keith Sweat's number one single. Yes, I am. It's yet another jewel in the crown of the OG of R&B player. I was there shining it up for my dog. King Keith <laughs> still got the throne player. Oh. Well, I'll tell you what. I think, Tom, you uh, Googled the, the, the female singer in that song just to find out what she looks like, what she sounds like. Um, I I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know where Keith had found this artist, but I then did some research and found out she did a song with Tyrese on the on his his last album. Do you remember that? Not his last album, the one before his last Black Rose album. Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, she. Go ahead, go ahead, Ed. She's been around. Um, I remember when I interviewed Keith, a interview that you can check out. Oh, and you know I got Soul's archives, by the way. Um, he mentioned that he had worked with her, and she's not necessarily an industry veteran, but she's definitely been around for a few years and knows her stuff. So she's not something that somebody brand new off of the street. So she's got a few credentials. Yep. Um, Ed, we got to ask you about a, cr- a couple of records here because they were um, – some pretty big releases for R&B. Tom and I talked about it last mm-hmm. week, but this John B. and Donnell Jones record, man, that bridge is everything. Look, player, this is what I said about that record. I could not believe that in 2019, we have an R&B song that goes longer than two and a half minutes with two brothers actually singing on it, not rapping on it. None of y'all robo-rappers tacked up on the end. No trap beats. And an actual bridge. What is this? This sounds like R&B to me. I like this song a lot. It's been a week and we're still going nuts for that song, man. That was a, that's, they did it. They, they made a good one. And I'll admit, mm. you know, we've had both John and Donnell on the podcast. And they both really hyped it up. And of course they're going to hype it up. But it really lived up to expectations. The video even felt like a video from... I don't know, 1999 or something. It's just a really fun, and and not a throwback in a way where it feels stale, but it just feels authentic. So it's a really fun song. Check out Understand if you haven't already. I, I do have one bad thing to say about the song. They premiered it on Sister Circle. I think that's um, Selena Johnson's uh, show she's got. It's a talk show. And... Mm-hmm. Our friend DJ Soulchild told, I didn't see it, but he told me the co-host of the show uh, used Darnell Jones. She called him oh, that. Oh, Ooh. no. Yep. Oh, no. Yep. 
Look, play. Oh. First of all, shout out to my girl Selena. That is the homie. But as if you're a journalist, so called <laughs> at least, do your research, dog. This guy's been around for twenty years. Yeah. So in case Darn anyone thought we were just making that nickname up, it's an actual thing, people. Oh, that's or, a fact. Or they've been listening to the Soulback podcast. <laughs> you never know. Selena is family. You got that right. Uh, so, Ed, we talked about Chris Brown's new single last week, Back to Love, and a couple of interesting comments that have popped up on my Instagram feed. Um, Sammy, who Tom, Sammy's our boy, he claims that Keith, I mean, not Keith, what, Chris Brown is the greatest entertainer of this generation. Your thoughts? Um, by entertainer, I cut let's define entertainer. Entertainer is not vocalist. Entertainer is dancer, is performer, its ability to quote unquote entertain in many facets. Of this generation, if you don't count Beyonce, because she kind of transcends generations, I don't have too much beef with that. Now, if he said that he was producing the best albums of his generation, I call him a lie, and the truth <laughs> is not in him. But for entertainer, it's hard to argue that. Well, who are the other choices? I mean, and no one really. What? I'll throw one at you, Bruno Mars. Oh, are we talking? I totally forgot about. We're saying no genres. We're just saying every genre. Um, I mean, stylistically, stylistically, they do very similar music. I would say. Uh, Sammy said that Uh, as well as that's as well as uh, my boy Justin Bieber. He said uh, greatest entertainer as well. I mean, I don't know what credibility Justin Bieber has, but you know. No, I wouldn't put Bieber up there. Um, Bruno is a definite. And I see what Tom is saying because Bruno has only more recently kind of delved into R&B. But be real, Chris has been pop for a minute. So I think there's a little closer comparison than you might think. But Bruno's definitely in the conversation. Yeah. But that got me thinking, guys, because we're talking about greatest entertainers. And, you know, Michael Jackson and Beyonce come to mind. But let's talk about 90s and 2000s R&B. Who are some artists who just kill it on stage? Because I'm thinking, like, Cisco. I've been watching clips of Cisco on YouTube. The guy is amazing. And, again, someone that we don't really talk about for the entertainment aspect. We talk about, you say Cisco, you hear Dong Song. But you miss kind of the entertainment aspect. Y'all know I'm not the biggest Sierra fan. But when it comes to straight entertainment, she's up there. No question. Aaliyah in her day was great. Of course, you can't forget Janet, who was the template for plenty of these female artists. So we have more than a few. And Tom, are you going to throw your boy Usher in there? Uh, I really don't care for the dancing. I just want to hear a good vocal performance. And usually when it's dancing involved, the vocal performance suffers because they have to wear that different type of mic. So yeah. I have no nothing to add to this discussion. All right. Well, <laughs> as usual, they had nothing to add. But when it comes oh. to actual talent, I think that sometimes, to me, which can really kind of weed out the great entertainers from the good entertainers are the ones who are able to sing 
and dance at that level. And when you do that, really the ones that kind of hit the top are Usher and Beyonce. You can make the case for Chris, but again, eh, because a lot of times he's kind of back and forth on that. I've seen him struggle with them vocals when he's dancing hard. And no offense, he's a human being. That's what happens with Oxygen. But sometimes, I don't know what it is about Usher at his peak, Beyonce at her peak. It's like um, Michael, of course, at his peak. Effortless. Even Bruno was great at that. We can't have this discussion without naming the king of all of these performers. And that is the Uncle Charlie Wilson. Have you seen him live, Ed? I have seen him live. I, well, I haven't seen him personally live. I've seen him perform live. And Man. he's pretty great, too. Talk about somebody that's freaking ageless. Yep. I don't know what kind yep. of vampire juice he got. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did read that uh, Destiny's Child, back in the day, in order to prepare for their performances, they would actually pretty much run or sprint for miles while singing at the top of their lungs so got a lot to work got a lot of work to do guys oh wow exactly <laughs> look player these y'all gotta step it up you can't just be singing on youtube and think that you're gonna be the next great you gotta put in some work i need to uh, see you sprinting on them ig videos trying to hold those notes Kyle, I hate to say this, but based off of what some of our favorite 90s artists' vocals are sounding like these days, and they need auto-tune, I don't even think they're hitting the treadmill these days. Oh, come on. I don't know. <laughs> some of them sound oh. like they need that Allegra like I just took before I got on this podcast. Oh, jeez. Tom, can you settle down and give a fan a shout-out here? Let's, let's, keep it, let's keep it PG here. Yeah, absolutely. Want to give a shout out to GD Holland. I think that's his name yes. on uh, Instagram and Twitter. He's been shouting out the podcast for a while, resharing it every week. We definitely appreciate that. He's a big supporter of us. So shout out to GD Holland. Huge fan. Love that. That's yep. my boy right there. Yeah. It's funny because I see him retweet every single one of our podcasts. So for the longest time, I thought he was a spam account, but he's a real person and he's a real fan. <laughs> oh, man. <No. laughs> I've talked to him. He's real. Calm down. <laughs> I'm still under the assumption that Ben Cromwell is a, is a is a spam account. There's no way if I upload the video in two minutes, he replies back in three. It makes no sense. Listen, let the fans be fans, man. Shout All out right. to my homie Ben. He's hilarious, too. I'm, con- he- I- I'm convinced that he already knows within two minutes of hearing the podcast that's going to be a good episode. Well, he's right. well he's not wrong on that one um and then one more chris brown comment and this might actually go into the play of please later on today but one of his producers said that this album will be on the same level this new album indigo will be on the same level ed as thriller uh huh the same level as thriller can someone tell me, just seriously, what was the last good Chris Brown album? I remember reviewing his entire discography sometime last year. When was the last, and I'm talking about above three and a half stars? Because it's been Ooh. like 15 years. Direct comments to E.T. Bowser if you're listening, Chris Brown stands. <laughs> Team Breezy. You know it. <laughs> Listen, that's my cousin. I can talk terrible about him. Can talk <laughs> terrible about your family. Man, oh man. Um, on a level of thriller, please. 
Uh, and then before we move on, it looks like Amory is still putting out music from her auto-tuned albums. Tom, you're excited, right? Yeah. Why, why do you gotta classify it like that? I'm just happy to see her still releasing music and not disappearing for a decade. You're right, you're right. Um, so before we get into some topics here, let's do a soul backtrack of the day, just because this record is, I think a bit, it played a big part in all of our lives. Uh, a couple of uh, days ago in 2000, 2000 feels like forever, Avant dropped his single Separated. What do you guys remember about that song? Oh, man, it's funny you mentioned that. I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. The first time I heard that song, I was driving. My parents, for those who don't know, this is back in whenever it was I went to college. My parents moved from the city and bought this and built this like big house in the country. So... I remember driving from college back home, which was like maybe like 45 minute drive. And I'm driving through like this trees and crap. And this song comes on and I'm like, is this, who is this? This is R. Kelly? I don't know who this guy is. And he's saying all these hilariously horrible things about his woman. And I thought it was the funniest song ever. But when I listen to that song, whenever that beat drops, it my mind transports me driving through this winding road with all these trees that's the power of music when you can hear a beat mm-hmm. and it instantly transports you back to that time so whenever i hear separated i think about driving through those weird woods i actually um, always thought that song was boring to, to be honest <laughs> wow yeah i mean I hate to say it, i like other songs in the album better well, that uh, that that totally backfired then one person was thinking about trees and the other one thinks it's boring <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no this i actually love that song it's one of my favorite of all joints okay, it's just then. so unabashedly ridiculous hmm yeah i i actually agree with you on that <laughs> but I, I like that song it, it's a cool song oh, yeah, it's a man. great song not according to tom over there well, he was signed to Magic Johnson at the time, so that was a pretty cool thing. We got to ask him about that when he comes on the podcast eventually. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was actually a big selling point at the time. That was big news. And then find out if Magic Johnson just quit on him as well. Oh, oh, here we go. <laughs> it seems like it. If you look at what happened, that his second album I don't think was on Magic Johnson, so it's a weird. I don't know what happened. Right. Um. I think we got a little bit of time left here before our guest comes in. Here is one of our favorite segments. I'm going to pull one of Tom's social media posts um, on the You Know I Got Soul page and pose the question to you guys. Of these four, who is the best vocalist? We have Pharrell Williams, Ja Rule, The Dream, and Ed, your personal favorite, Teddy Payne, T-Pain, who are you rocking with? Okay, two-part question. Who is the best vocalist, and wh- whose music are you rocking with? The music that I'm rocking re- with is easily for real. The best vocalist... If you take the auto-tune off of Mr. Transformer, I'd put him up there. If you keep the auto-tune on him, flush him in the trash. But... Uh, I don't know, Pharrell. Why do you ask such terrible questions, Tom? <laughs> it was a terrible question. People got pissed. That was funny. 
And then people were oh, like, Oh, I watched it. People were like, Oh, no, T Pain could actually really sing. Didn't you hear him on whatever? I, I was like, Whatever. This was a joke, guys. People were getting upset. I cannot. It's. I. It, every time we mention T Pain and I go on my T Pain rant, someone forever sends me a link to him singing on some talk show or some singing on some tiny desk concert or singing on some weird old reality show. I I know he can sing, but the thing is, every one of his hit records, he's sounding like Megatron, and it's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> well, I will say one thing: it worked for him, and he's famous. Yeah, and probably rich. Yeah. So well, it's, it's crazy. Trump. I it's don't crazy care. now because uh, he's been on this campaign through the media, where I think like TV shows purposely book him now, so that he can sing live without autotune just to shock everyone and he keeps singing uh stay with me by sam smith like that's the only song he'll sing. <laughs> but it's crazy because everyone's so shocked but he's been doing this for like 10 years why are you still <laughs> late oh, it's like saying man. i didn't know chris brown could dance that's so shocking <laughs> well oh yeah some some might call t-pain the most influential artist over the last 10 years. Who are I those know, people? and that's why we're in this... Who said that? Morons. That's why <laughs> we're in the rut that we're in in R&B. <laughs> oh, man. Man, oh, man. What about the dream? The dream actually what has about? a surprisingly... like He has a tight-knitted fan base that actually surprised yeah. me. There's a bunch of dream fans out there. Yes, they are. Shout out to my girl Cassandra Jordan from the Soul and Stereo Cypher. She loves the Dream. Cassandra's my girl, but no, Dream is awful too. He's a great <laughs> songwriter. No Jeez. question. You're praising but someone goodness. and dissing them in the same sentence. That's impressive, Ed. Well, well you know, that's kind of my, my X-Men ability. To show love and throw you away at the same time. But no, he's a great songwriter. He's write, written some great songs. But them vocals been on E since Jump. Yep. <laughs> Tom, keeping it real and dissing them at the same I mean, uh, complimenting and dissing them at the same time is called keeping it real. That's what Ed does best. Oh. <laughs> nice. That is. It's a very it's a very good skill to have, Ed. <laughs> Alright, before we uh before we get back to this dream topic, because I want to talk about uh, another topic about the dream, dream versus Neo. I know we have a special guest coming in very shortly so guys grab your popcorn grab your soda we're gonna get the guest in like i said every week we try to bring in a special guest someone who has brought soul back and tom we have a returning guest he did yes, this man. podcast with us a couple of years ago man time flies but tom who's the special guest for today i'm excited about our guest once again this dude has been a friend to us over the years one of our earliest supporters um you know such a, a time hit maker has made so much timeless music we continue to support to this day continue to be a champion for what he whatever he's got going on welcome rl to the podcast what's up man hey what's going on with you guys man oh man no, i'm just excited well, to have you here once again i'm just glad to be here i know you guys are keeping you know the attention of real music man and that's appreciated by me and a lot of you know my counterparts man so you know i always you know follow you guys and see all the love you give to all these you know real artists and um i'm just happy to be back amazing for sure rl i gotta tell you sometimes when i 
wake up in the middle of the night, I'll check my Twitter, and I swear, you don't sleep. But then I did a little <laughs> bit of research, and uh, it turns out you're in the gym early, bright and early, maybe even before it's bright. What is, what's going on there? What's the workout routine like? Well, I, I used to get up at like 5.30, but then uh, I, I have a, a, a two-year-old now, so I know that she's going to, you know, get up probably 6-something, 7-something in the morning. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll get up at 4.30, try to wow. get to the gym by probably 5, 5.30, you know, get a nice hour workout in and try to make it home so that I can be here when she wakes up. So, yeah, I do it four to five days a week. And I always say that I want to not only work harder than you, but I want to work longer and start before you. So I'm usually in my studio by like 8 a.m. in the morning. So yeah. Wow. What time do you go to bed, man? I try to go to bed at 10, 10.30, but if there's a Timberwolves or Lakers or Warriors <laughs> game on, I might stay up a little later. It just depends. <laughs> yes. All right, cool. I mean, I just, before we get into it, I, I just, we just shared a story on our Instagram about how you were one of our earliest supporters. I always love to talk about this because, man, when we first started, you know, I got soul. You know, it wasn't easy to to get artists to do interviews with us to kind of build that foundation and get support. So we'll always remember that you were one of the first that that were embraced us, you know, did an interview with us, and then from there always showed us love, man. Like that was a special moment for us, and we really always appreciate that. Oh, man, you know, it's funny. Um, I don't think a lot of new artists understand what loyalty and I always say I never want to take advantage, but I want to um, utilize and not use people. So when you utilize situations, it's like if I have something new, I already know that I'm going to get love because of the relationship and because I feel like it's quality work. Just like whenever I get a message or a text or uh, tweet or anything from any of you guys, it's the same thing. That's They don't understand that you have to utilize people and never use them because the moment someone feels used or taken advantage of, that's mm-hmm. when the relationship stops. So I've always looked at it like you guys are one of the only real um, platforms for people like me that never forget. You know, in my business, right. especially in the urban market, we want to throw our artists away so fast but then we're at the funeral crying and talking about how important they were and how you still love their music. But when right. they were here, you didn't give them that, that respect and love. So, yeah. 100%. We talk about that all the time, and we definitely appreciate that, man. For sure. So, Aro, I'm going to pass it over to Ed right now because, Ed, you love 90s R&B. You love all the groups that came out of there. And, you know, Along with RL being a really good person and a really good friend of ours, he was part of Next, which, man, we love Next. Ed, what are your fondest memories of Next? Man, my fondest memories of Next. I remember, and I'm going to take it back a minute, I remember when Butter Love dropped, and we were like, who are these dudes? Because it just kind of seemed to hit out of nowhere. And from there, we built on with Too Close and then Wifey, probably my favorite, and then going on and on and on, of course, the the duet with um with Deborah. What has happened is RL and Next really became one of those groups that personified the sound of the late '90s. But going further than that, what RL was able to do was also keep the songwriting credits tight. I don't know if I told you guys this, but one of my favorite, more recent albums from my man Key Sweat. R.L. actually had the pen on a lot of those good songs, Teach Me, The Floor, 
R.L. House, talk to us a little bit about how that songwriting, something that you continue to do today, kind of got its roots in the 90s and has continued to permeate in the music that you got dropping now. Well, honestly, um, for me, I, I'm a hermit. I, I, I literally stay in the house if I'm not at the gym. Um, you might catch me at the mall or something, but it's always been about relationships. You know, somebody will call me and be like, you know, I know you got some records over there, or they'll hear about somebody that came and visited and we'll have a jam session in my studio and they've heard a bunch of records and they'll say, listen, you need to call RL. So with Keith, uh, he sent me the tracks were on the floor and I heard where they had sampled um, the show. If you, I don't yep. know if you really listen, you can hear the show in there because Teddy Riley, they don't, you know, a lot of people don't realize he produced the show when he was like 15 or 16. So he revisited it and he produced the track for, for Keith. He's like, yo, I need a record, you know. I was like, okay, Uncle Keith, I got you. So I literally wrote the record and sent it to him. And, of course, you know, the little rough mixes, they're cool. I go to Keith's, we record that, and I think maybe four or five others. But then Teddy gets a hold of it, and Teddy's like the sonic godfather. We heard that record, and it sounded like pure water. Like, it was just so amazing on a different level that it's probably one of my favorite records to listen to. And sometimes I'll sneak and listen to the demo because I actually have the demo for most of my records that I've done, and I'll go back and revisit it. Um, my favorite record that I've written over the years, to be honest, is I did a, a record called Orchestra for mm. Um, mm. Genuine. The problem yeah. is that he was on a you know indie label out of St. Louis, and when they went to do the mixing, they messed up, and they actually have the music for the bridge coming in on the hook. It's like, you know, some craziness. But I'll listen to the the unmixed version that we, we got with, with Elgin, and that's probably one of my favorites because I've always loved Oak. Oak is one of my favorite, most creative producers. People don't realize he's Turkish. He's from Turkey. Yeah. And he has all these crazy sounds he puts together, and he's like top, five producers ever to me so you know there's a lot of different records that i've that i've you know done over the years and people don't really realize it and i'll say this not to you know keep your ramble on but one thing that i was envious of, of people like neo and i think i've said this before is that me being in a group i never was able to market or promote myself individually as a songwriter it was always yeah. when we're doing interviews don't talk about yourself talk about the nucleus well, I wish I would have had the opportunity because a lot of people don't know about a lot of my writing credits because when it was about next, you kept it about next, and you couldn't really talk about individual accolades or things that you were doing. And I was always jealous of other writers that were able to promote themselves. I used to be like, man, what about me? But, you know, mm -hmm. in due time, things come. <laughs> that, yeah, no question. You know what I love about songs you've written, R.L., is um, – a lot of times you get to leave your ad libs or some of your vocals on there, and it just sounds so smooth. So that's one thing that always stood out to me about songs you were involved in. I uh, appreciate it. You know what's funny is I never tell them to leave my vocals. There's times <laughs> I hear somebody's album, and I'll go, wait a minute, that's me. What happened? And I go, we like it. It's not broke. You know, don't, you know, if it's not broke, well, don't fix it. I was like, okay, right. that's fine. But, yeah. Cool. Now, RL, man, a few episodes ago, we had your boy KG on here, man, and he shared some great history about kind of the origins of Divine Mill, and he, he shared some interesting stories with us, especially about, you know, how you guys came on the tour bus when, when they were on, when Millie Bad Nature was on tour in, in Minneapolis, and 
and also about how he kind of had almost the original making the band situation at his house when he had signed his, his original artist. So t- take us back to those moments and then please you remember. Well, it's funny. When the guys met Kay, I was actually at Soundcheck. We were opening up for Aaliyah the night before. Wow. Uh, Naughty, perform- Naughty performed at First Avenue like on a Saturday. Aaliyah performed, you know, First Avenue from Purple Rain and all that. So mm, Aaliyah right. performed at Glam Slam, which was Prince's Club, <laughs> um, the night the the night before, and we were opening. So we were like, okay, we're opening for Aaliyah Perkins. I'm at Soundcheck. They're at the Mall of America getting wardrobe. They run into KG. KG, you know, they talk or whatever, and they say, come to the show. So we went to the concert that Saturday, and we left a demo with Kay, he had him on the tour bus. So all of a sudden, um, Brother Jules, who was Prince's DJ, was on the tour bus talking to Kay, and Kay was like, I'm looking for talent. You know, who's the hot, you know, groups here? And, and he looked down, and our tape was right there, and Brother Jules said, that's the dopest group in the city right there. They're, they're, uh-huh. they're the truth. And all of a sudden, Kay calls us, and I'll never forget it. We were flown out. I, we thought it was a joke, but we were flown out to New York. And we had on, like, flip-flops, American <laughs> <laughs> country with, with, like, sweatsuits on. We literally <laughs> got off the plane, were picked up, and went straight to the Apollo. We were at the Apollo wow. when it was like a, I know, I think Biggie performed, AZ, uh, Puff was there, the Lost Boys, and Naughty by Nature. So we looked down, and they had, like, these church fans on the seats, and it said, Ill Town's Fat New Lineup or something. And it had all these different groups, but it also had, straightforward, which was the name we went by at the time. Mm. It had the name of our group on this church, man. We were like, wait, what? <laughs> after the show, we go to Kay's house. He got this big old mansion. And we go to this house. He had the Naughty by Nature pool, the basketball court, all these different things. We're like, what in the world? We go to sleep. We wake up, and they're setting up in the back by the pool. They ended up having uh, his first annual Boogie Land party. I'm talking about Mike Tyson, Queen Latisse. Anybody you can think of that was a star was at this cookout. So this is our first taste of being around people. We're not signed anything. And the next thing you know, boom, we're with Kay. But I was the youngest out of my group, so all of the guys would go home. They had significant others, girlfriends, whatever, children, whatever. So they would get to go home. I didn't really have anywhere to go because my parents had recently left Minnesota and moved to San Diego. So I'm like, I don't oh. have anywhere to go. I was sleeping on the floor at KG's back house, oh. room next to Jaheen. So every time I would hear Kay come in, I would literally run downstairs, make sure I was dressed, teeth brushed, run downstairs and just sit in the studio with him. So that's how I was able to write so many records for Jaheim and for Next because guys would go home to visit their families, and I literally lived, ate, drank, slept, breathed music. So I was I was at an advantage to learn under one of the best producers of of my generation, of the generation before. So that's how it started. Oh, man, that's amazing. You know, that's the history. We'd love to hear it. You know, and one thing we, we always talk about, you know, Next has had so much success. People always love to compare the 90s R&B groups. You know, it's, it's for whatever reason, you guys will always be linked, and people always want to pick their favorite and say who's better than who. Man, let me ask you this. Did you ever, was there ever a rivalry among you guys? You know, was that ever like, you didn't like each other. Like I'm talking Drew Hill, you know, 112 Jagged Edge. Was there ever, like, a situation like that? 
I mean, usually I would, I, excuse my language, but I bullshit you guys. Any other interview? But since this is family, uh, of course. Only group oh. that I probably <laughs> ever had any drama with was Drew Hill. Drew Hill was so different. I don't know if it's a Baltimore thing, but they just always are so cool. Like, literally, Jazz, Jazz's dad, Cisco, who actually lives in Minnesota now, which is crazy to me. Nokia, we've always been super cool. We actually worked at Dev Jam together as A&R consultants. Nobody knew that. We actually had cubicles next to each other, and we worked on wow. groups together. <laughs> oh, wow. So, <laughs> right? you know, and, and, the, and the thing about Nokia was he's a rock star. You know, paint my nails, uh, dye my hair. He's really a rocker, which was dope to me. Um, with the other guys, uh, let's. They had an Atlanta connection, so they were super cool. So here comes us, and who are these guys? They said we sounded too gospel. You know, I remember my best friend being on a plane heading to fly to me because he used to be my road manager, and he's in first class with some of the guys from Jagged, and they don't know who he is, and they're they're dogging us, and he, they don't even know, you know what I mean just talking like we're young. You know how we just just talking you know smack about. They sound too gospel, either this or whatever. And I actually love them. They're one of my favorite groups. I think the twins are like two uh, Charlie Wilson Juniors. I think they're dope, you know. Mm. Um, my favorite group was 112. Uh, mm. I mean, from before their album came out, they have a record on the Money Train soundtrack. I was just listening to it yesterday. It's called Make Love. Like, people don't even know about this record. I think Boys and Men did the vocals on the record. They were my favorite. I was so jealous because you got to think. You know, they had Puff and Bad Boy. They had Mace and Biggie on the records and Fates in the background. You know, we were like, man, we want that. They were fly. They got the dress fly. I'm sure Puff styled them. And then you had uh, Jagged from, from Atlanta, which is like the new mecca. They got uh, So So Death, the Brat coming out, and, you know, all these different things that they were connected with. And by the time we were coming out, Naughty were kind of coming down. You know, they're always legends to me, but they were they weren't as quote unquote hot at the time. So we didn't have features on our records to where, you know, it kinda gave us more shine and, and back then we were jealous. But now it's it's an advantage for us because when we on tour with these guys, you know, when a rapper doesn't come out on a record, there's something missing. For us, mm. we never had that extra part. So when we perform our songs, it's exactly how you remember it. If hopefully it's mm -hmm. not better. Um, even now, that you know, there's, there's certain members of certain groups over time, you know, and it isn't even, to be honest, it's not even about the individuals. It's somebody that's connected to the individual or used to be, like, there's a member of 112. We don't even speak. We could be in the same room. And I actually love him. I'm a fan of him. I've worked on a project for one of his foundations, and we could be in the same room and don't even speak, and it all stems from uh, a, a manager we both had that I believe probably embezzled money from both of us. Wow. And I'm sure if you get us in a room together and we talked about it, we'd walk out laughing. But with egos and time of just not liking somebody, you know, uh, it just happens. So it is what it is. I love 112. I'm I'm disappointed that it's not four of them right now. I look at them as 56 because it's still yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't even mean that as a joke because I literally love the guys. You know, you you when you're around somebody long enough on the road, you're gonna have issues. Just like if you're a football team and you're in the locker room, there's gonna be a, a, a week or two that goes by that you're not liking this teammate. Things like that happen. But do I genuinely love them and want to see them do well and be a full group? Of course, I think Slim has the most unique voice in the game. I think Q mm. has the dopest tone and his harmonies. If you really listen to 112 records, after the if you listen to the Make Love record. 
and, and you'll see all of them in the background, doing background. But if you listen to 112 Records after that, Q literally did most of all the background for the group. He's like a background genius. And then Duran is a musical genius. He's like a nerd because he's so dope with everything he does with production. And then you have Mike, who is like the rock star himself, but he has this crazy gospel voice that's amazing. They were my favorite group. But, yeah, there was wow. there was beef. And then all I have to say about Jacket, um, you know, Kyle is the wild one. He's super cool. He's just wild. One time he, <laughs> yeah. I know people heard the story at the time. He was kind of inebriated and got on stage and talked crazy about me or whatever. But I can't lie. He's like this big personality that you can't help but love. He's a great guy. Um, yeah. The twins have always been kind of to themselves. It's probably because they're close brothers, so they're kind of different with outsiders. They're cool, right. but they're kind of standoffish. And then Wingo, he's like the mayor. He's, you know, uh -huh. our, our wives hang out. You know what I'm saying? He'll call me. When we get off the phone, it's always, I love you, brother. So, yeah, there's always going to be, we're all chasing the same check. We're all trying to be on the same shows. And most of these shows for us, we they want to put us on first or put us on before these other groups because in my community, they look at us as second tier from the 112s, Jaggers, and Drew Hills. But when you look at BDS, when you look at Billboard, we're actually on the same tier, if not in some instances, a little more successful with certain records. But yeah. with us, we take it. We don't care if we go on first. We're going to try to kick that ASS. It don't matter. <laughs> you know, whenever. The advantage that we do have, lastly, is that we have up-tempo records with no features, and then I also mm -hmm. get to do records that I've written for other people in the show, so it gives us a different advantage. But I've heard a promoter tell our manager, they have two, three records, you know. So, yeah, we're, <laughs> we feel like they're good in this spot, and they don't realize the other records that we have or we're a part of, and they don't want to include them. Well, you can't go to Babyface and say, well, you got two, three, oh, I got two, three records, so I can't sing End of the Road, I can't sing Bended Knee, I can't sing, you know what I'm saying? You, yeah, you can't yeah. do that, but. Whatever it is, I don't. As long as I'm feeding my family, I'm a. I, I perform. I go change and I go watch my favorite groups: One Twelve, Jagged Edge, Drew Hill, and then I go to my room, go to sleep, get on a flight, come home, and kiss my daughter. So it's all. <laughs> That's amazing, man. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Man, Ariel, I got to give you a shout out. I just got to turn back real quick because my man shouted out the Money Train soundtrack. Shout out the Men of Vision Assorted Flavor. That was yes. my joint back at like ninety five. Well, wasn't wasn't uh four point oh on there too? That that old baby that that record on there. Yeah, that old baby oh. joint. Yeah, and then then uh, my producer that really discovered us from the you know uh, was low key and Lance and Props he did the record on there that um uh Johnny Gill did. Oh my goodness. Woo. See, and I I really miss the era of soundtracks because you would get a soundtrack and there would always be one or two lead singles that you knew. But you would be introduced to all these relatively new acts because I think that's the first time I heard One Twelve was on and that, then, and of know, course our first thing that we did was money the Money Talk soundtrack. That was exactly. The first I was about to say on. that. That's yep. exactly what I was about to say. Do you feel like that we are and the soundtrack thing for those listening who weren't around and just didn't experience that? It was just such a phenomenal time. Do you, RL think that the game is missing a little something now that we don't have that that soundtrack to kind of introduce and break these new artists? Of course. I've talked to Will Packer, who's, you know, we're, we're pretty cool, and I've tried to send him records. I've talked to uh, Malcolm Lee because I wanted to do another Best Man-type record, which I have, you know, for one of his movies. Um, but I, I think it's really about the labels. Um, 
it's, I don't know if it's generational or what, but a lot of these execs, and I, I literally have an exec that lives close to me, and we're really good friends, and he's really powerful. But we had a discussion, and he said it himself, and I knew it. He wouldn't walk me in the building because he gets no credit for that. I've already had success. He wants to break mm. new artists. So a lot of times, you know, I feel bad for artists of, of my genre and, and, and my time frame where we have great new music and we we just need to be reintroduced because our audience is waiting. But no one wants to take a chance on that. They're looking for some quick money. Are you hot in your neighborhood? They try to treat R&B like they do rap, but R&B has grown organically. It isn't about, well, oh, this record is hot, blow up in five minutes. It might take a year. You know what I'm saying? There's a dude, the, the Nigerian artist, David O, is that his name? He got that record out called Fall. It's, mm-hmm. I don't want to yep, I know what anymore. you're talking about. That record's blowing up right now, right? But guess what? It came out yep. in 2017. It came out in 2017. So that's wow. the first time I've seen somebody work a record or it grow organically and blow up later. It hadn't happened, I've seen, since Keisha Cole, because Keisha Cole's first single with Kanye, I Don't Love You No More, was amazing, but it did nothing. But the label yeah. kept pushing her and pushing her and pushing her. They don't do that anymore. So a lot of talented artists, if you don't hit off jump, it's over. Wow. That's an yeah. amazing point. True. Ed, man, RL, I want to get back to you right after this. But, Ed, do you remember uh, when we did our podcast with Pleasure P? You know I won't forget that one. <laughs> So, so guys, what what Pleasure P was alluding to when we got onto the topic of R&B groups and the challenges of putting it together, RL pretty much, I mean, not RL, but Pleasure P pretty much gave it to us in the simplest terms. It's not hard to be in a group as long as everyone does their role, um, you know, show up to the shows, show up to the studio. So, Ed, this seems pretty easy. Why do you think groups keep breaking up? I mean, RL could speak to it better than I can, but from a fan's perspective, I think, I think P, um, Pleasure P was on to something with everybody just kind of playing their role. And sometimes some folks want to do something different. You got a diff- you got a collection of personalities. And sometimes those personalities get off and they don't get on the same page and they might not be working toward a common goal. Some people might want to branch out. Some people might want to revert to another sound. Some people might want to branch something new. So when you have all this collaborative effort in one space, and we're talking about four or five different creative guys or girls, it's kind of hard to mesh together and be on one accord. RL, I know you can probably speak to this one. Um, well, right now, for me, this is 2019 is the farewell tour of next in my mind. Unless God has other plans um, after this year, yeah, it, it probably um, is a wrap as far as, you know, we might do shows here and there, but I don't even know. Like We have a whole album done. Um, but he, I couldn't have said it better. I'll say this. Sometimes he says farewell to our RL? Yeah. Uh-huh. Really? Wow. Yeah, I, I haven't even, I, I said, I kind of alluded to that under one of my posts, but I haven't really even spoken openly about it. It's disappointing because, you know, Tom, I know you know all the things that we went through as a group. I've used yeah. that calls and texts and emails, you know, <laughs> I already know. But yep. I love my group members. Um I'm probably closer to Tilo now than I am Tweet, and it used to be the opposite. And they're real brothers. So you have different dynamics. They're real, grew up together, same house, brothers. So regardless on how wrong one might be, they're always going to be brothers, and you never can forget that. 
They're great guys. Uh, we, we make a great team. It's never been about, you know, thinking, oh, I'm better than a group or bigger than a group because when I wasn't in the group for those years, everybody thought that I got the big head and went solo. They didn't realize that I was actually put out of the group. They didn't realize that the name that I came up with was, was secretly trademarked behind my back, and I recently oh. just got a part of the trademark back. <laughs> but I'll say this. Sometimes it's about the people you surround yourself with. Because I'll take Tweet. Tweet is super talented. He's never been the vocalist in the group, even though he can sing, but he played his role. He was the spokesperson. He was the body of next. He was the personality of next. But if somebody's in his ear like, you need to do more. You could do more. Why don't you rap? Why don't you do this? Mm -hmm. Why don't you do that? Then you start thinking, man, I do need to do more. Because now you're when you have success and you have the resources, you move away. You're not around each other every day. We were dependent on each other coming up. I didn't have a car. We had to wait for Tilo. So we had to be around each other. I want to go to the mall. I'm going to go shopping. Got to wait for Tilo. Mm. We were always together. When success comes and you have your own, you have your little paper, you got your own place, all of a sudden you get different friends you're around. Uh, a girl, you're, you grow. You might have a family. So now you have different influences, and they're telling you different things. We did a whole album, and I heard that some of my music, I heard not even some of my music, I heard my music was dated. But the record that I just did on Duval, I recorded in 2014 or 15. So if it's so dated, how is it climbing the charts? But this came from one of my own group members. So they now, you know, he wants to be, you know, do rap. He feels like he wants to do a whole different vibe. I understand that because I've been there. I've been in a place where I've doubted what I know, the integrity of music. You start listening to the radio and you go, well, maybe what I do is whack. Maybe I need to do what's on the radio. Maybe I need to be more trendy. And what happens is I call it musical menopause. You, see, you know, you get older, you get a few gray hairs, you start looking in the mirror, and you're like, am, am, I, still, am I still this? Can I still do this? You start questioning mm -hmm. all the things that you've built up, all the skills that you've learned over the years of being in this industry. And it took me a while to go, no, let me do what I know, because I don't want to be dated, but I also don't want to be that dude that you hear a song and you go, man, he doing that too? Like, if I wanted that, I could go buy, you know, to the lollipop store and buy that. So mm -hmm. we're, we're, we are separating. I'm working on a project for Tilo because I think he could be the new um, Dave Hollister slash uh, Gerald Levert. He's the teddy bear. He has that smooth voice. And he's just never put himself in the forefront like that. So we're going to be doing different things. Tweet's working on a rap project with his son. And I wish that well. But my favorite saying is, I wish everybody well. I just wish me better. So I'm working on me over huh. here. I got the Duval record. We also have another single of, of, with, that we did on Duval that has Seven Streeter that's incredible. Hopefully that will come out. We have the remix for Pull Up that has uh, 2 Chains on it, but we have another whole different remix with 2 Chains and another big rapper. We're looking for another rapper. We'll see if Duval wants to even release it. But, I mean, with groups, Sometimes it's egos, but a lot of times it's the opposite. It's insecurity that pushes you away from each other. So it's not even about, oh, I think I'm better or bigger than the group. It's, well, maybe this isn't working. Maybe I'm not hot enough. Maybe I need to do something different. So a lot of that is misconstrued as ego or big head. It's not that. I, I mean, I love my group. I, I love the guys. I know with 112, over years, things happen and you don't deal with them and you just, it becomes work when before it was a passion and fun and family, and it becomes like that with every group. You know, you, somebody pisses you off, you're like, I'm not even going to say nothing. But then all of a sudden it just grows and grows, and you finally start looking at that person that you grew up with broke, 
now you got money and you're looking at them funny and it's 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 whack, but that's what happens. Wow. That's that's uh it's tough to hear, man, about next, you know, potentially this being the final run. It's you know, is it's a, a legendary legacy it'll be leaving behind and you know, even though you're you're confident in your direction, it's still tough to, to hear it, you know. Oh no, for me too. I mean again I said unless God has other plans because there's no ego here. My main objective is to make good music, feed my family and continue to have fun. So when you're on the road and you're making money, yet you know a trip is coming up and you're stressed because you got to be around people and, you know, you don't know what's going to happen or who's going to be around because all of a sudden you have different people that got hangers on and now the dressing room, which we have a rule that says, you know, you look at like the NFL or the NBA. Before the game, who's in the dressing room? The team and the coaches. That's it. After, you know, the game and, you know, after the shower, then the media and families let in. Well, what happens if you come in a dressing room and there's no room for the artist to sit because there's too many people in there mm-hmm. and it's loud and you can't even focus? There's different things that happen. And you, you say you're in the dressing room and you go, well, these are my people. I should have whoever I want to hear. I'm a principal. Well, it's not about what you want. It's about what's the best thing, what's the best environment for the product to flourish, for us to be comfortable when we get on stage. After we get on stage, it's whatever you want. But what about before? But you start it started becoming a whose thing is bigger, whose whose balls are bigger type situation. Oh there. man! Well, I want this, and I want well, I want this. Well, I need my this here, this ain't here. I need this. My people need passes. We it's just a bunch of things that have nothing to do with the performance or the music that come in to play for every group. So that's what wow. it is. That's tough. Well, Harl, let me let me switch gears just a little bit because now you're making you know your solo music again. This this journey started many years ago, as many people know, with your with your debut solo album, man. But I always look back to that moment when I heard Our Elements the first time, loving that project and, and thinking this is the start, you know, of superstardom for you as a singer. And I always wondered, you know, what what really happened, what prevented you from becoming that superstar, one of the biggest celebrities in R and B, you know, like why didn't it work out as we had hoped? Um you know, that's hard because, you know, I never question God's plan. I do say that people don't realize that a lot of things behind the scenes make the artist. It's not about the music. And I used to think it right. was, but it's the music business. Well, when we left Arista and I went to Jay, I was one of the first products that came out. If you think about it, me, Jimmy Cozier, uh, Product G&B, uh, they had Eric Sermon over there. They had Tyrese. They had... Who else? It was somebody else. I can't even remember. We all had albums come out at the same time <laughs> and or around the same time, if I'm not mistaken. But mine was first, and it was really during the time when no one knew Jay. There was no – besides Clive, the, the, even the staff wasn't even totally put together. So I've had people walk up to me like, man, Good Man was supposed to be such a huge record. Like, that's one of our hood favorites and things like mm-hmm. that. For me, it just wasn't in the cards at the time. And then my focus really was on going back to the group. And you go back to the group, you're trying to make that work. So I never really honestly focused on just myself like I am now. Gotcha. You know, so it was always mm-hmm. one foot in and well, you know, let me make sure, you know, the guys are straight. Or what are we doing? Are we, I don't want to give this record away or I don't want to record this record. I'm going to give it to the group, things of that nature. The only person that was able to get records from me uh, was Jaheem because we were family. 
So he would know that I had this record hidden because he'd heard it a hundred times and go, I need that record, bro. <laughs> so yeah. besides that, there's so many records floating around that, you know, other artists have asked me for that I wouldn't give away, that I'm holding for the group. Heck, even Pull Up was for next. I had to call the guys and get permission to give it to Duvall, even though it was my record, like, yo, check this out. You know, I really want to give this to him. And at first it was agreed upon by, you know, the, the Rich Road Camp that they were going to have featuring next on the record. Because if you listen, we're ad-libbing our backgrounds is on the record. We're ad-libbing in everything. Well, sadly, you know, they kind of reneged on that after the record was done. And the reason was because Duval, who's who's my family, and we're close to the same age, said that he felt like having us featured on the record would age him. And that's the kind of mm. environment. Wow. We're actually, and I don't blame him because that's the environment we're in musically where if you associate yourself with somebody that they look at as a – old school throwback artists, then they put you in a certain category, which isn't favorable. So, yeah. <laughs> man. Oh, man. Wow. That's that. <laughs> but, yeah, but, I, but to, to, to finish, to elaborate and, and, and you know, finish that question, um, I never really focused on just me. And lastly, the biggest mistake I made during my project, honestly, was trying to not sound like next when that sound was my sound. Uh, I didn't hmm. use KG. I gave. I literally gave KG a hundred thousand dollars as a thank you, even though wow. he didn't oh. produce one record on the album because I owed it all to him. My chance and my opportunity came from him, but I didn't use him not because I didn't want to. We had great chemistry. That's what we did. But I didn't because I felt like okay, if the public starts hearing RL records that sound like next, then they might go, well, why do we need next? And I never wanted to put my brothers in that position. Now I don't think of those things anymore. I overthought it, which was my mistake. So do I stand behind the project? Yeah, I loved it. But I know it could have been better, to be honest. And now all you're going to get is my best. Amazing. So, man, Ed, let's talk about some new R&B here, and I want to get RL's take on it too. But, Ed, it seems like in today's R&B, there's some great records out there, um, but there's also a lot of that. Transformers, robotic, auto-tune, two minutes and 20-second records. What are you noticing on your end, Ed? Yeah, man. All right, we were just talking about this a little earlier before you joined us. Um, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to hear the, the new record from um, John B. and Donnell. I understand. New joint They just dropped. But the thing that I love about it is that it just has all the elements in place. It's got It's got the bridge. It's a song that actually goes longer than two minutes. It's like five minutes. They got the outro on it. They don't have the, the auto-tune raffle mumbling all over the beat. And I know that music evolves with the time, but I appreciate that it's something that's fresh and new, yet still has the elements of R&B that have been built upon, and no pun intended, RL elements. But um, for your new project and looking forward with, with the music that you've been putting out, do you think that how do you balance kind of the new school sound and going back to the sound that you have built on and kind of finding a happy medium? Truthfully, my production partner, he's a few years younger than me. Um, I lean on him in a lot of ways. I'll send him a record with a bunch of harmony and he'll make it unison or he'll thin out the vocals. I might do four stacks. He'll be like, no, we're just going to use two or we'll hmm. just use this, this, this as a lead. What I've learned is to simplify certain things Keep the subject matter dope. Keep the melodies dope like I feel like I've always done. But maybe we'll 
change the music. It won't be as musical. You'll still have chords, but we might use a pad instead of a piano. Make sure the drums are hitting. So we, I'd always tell them, ghetto fight, because I'm from the hood. So I'm like, I want some, I want some 808. I need a dope sub. I, I need the, the, the kick to be hitting. So we try to take elements from today, yet keep everything from what I know. So it, 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 it's a, you just have to have a happy medium. It's funny because John, I sampled John B for a record on the album, and he heard it uh, a few weeks ago in Chicago. And wow. was like, man, he literally stayed in our dressing room like for hours just talking and laughing. And, you know, I've known him for a while. Everybody thought I wrote his um, Don't Talk record, um, but I didn't. I was just happened to be in the studio, and it was at Babyface's studio recording my album, and they said, yo, John, I want you to come down to his, his uh, video shoot. So I literally looked like a bum in the video because <laughs> I was just going down to say what's up. And he was like, okay, ours here, you know, lights. <laughs> I was like, oh, whatever you need, bro. But I haven't heard the new record, but I've been on the road with, with Donnell and um, John quite often. And I'm actually going to be in Africa, I think, with, with Donnell coming up uh, in a few weeks. But I know what they do musically. I've seen, them on the, I've seen Donnell on the BET Awards. And I was jealous because I was like, man, I want to be on there so bad. He <laughs> killed it. He was rocking. He didn't look old. didn't sound dated. I think it's always about the production that makes it dated. Because the subject matter is I love you, I need you, I miss you, I'm sorry, I messed up, I cheated, you cheated. <laughs> These things yeah. never change. Yeah. Um, I just think that when you're true to yourself and you and you get young ears around you to bring out the youthfulness that's still in you. Because I hate to say it, but only in – the urban community, do they consider 42 old? I just turned 42 a little over a week ago. Um, in our community, that's old. But truthfully, it shouldn't. We want to throw our artists away. Again, like I said before, I think before we started recording, um, they want to throw us away, but then they'll be at our, our service, you know, throwing roses and talking about how yep. fabulous we are and how talented. When they should do it. Man, that, listen. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's it's stuff we talk about all the time, RL. How how much these artists are appreciated a lot more overseas than here in the U.S. When here they're called washed up, overseas they're celebrated as legends, which you should be, you know. And we we're even talking recently about how Usher, he's working on a Confession Two album. We were talking about how it might not even go heard because people, if it's on a commercialized song that's on mainstream radio, but if it's just traditional R&B. It might not even get hurt. People might not even bother to check it out. It's it's a scary time in, in R&B music, RL. We, you know, we, we feel for you. You know, we love what you're doing. You, you sent me one of your singles. I got to hear it. That was really dope, man. So, man, it's just, it's just a scary time for R&B, man. But I don't know how you do it. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, you just have to be all about the music. Like, literally, people will come by. I know Duvall was over, and I played him, like, maybe 10 records. And he's like, when is this coming out? And I was like, I don't know if it is. But um, yeah. it, it doesn't even matter. Like, you have to do what you can stand behind and what you can stand on because I tell people, I've been singing these records for 20 years over and over again. And if you sing something that you don't like and you have to do this over and over and over again, it's going to be a reoccurring nightmare over and over again. So luckily the music that I've, you know, done, I can sing it with pride and have fun and smile and do it from – Six to sixty, and hopefully seventy to eighty. But, yeah, you know, I, I think that that's what it's about. I hope that it works for um, Usher because I know how talented he is. I know what he's been through, um, and I know that he's an amazing performer. 
And if he gets the chance to perform and people see that, then it's going to be incredible. Just I looked at Chris Brown's video. I think Chris Brown is the most talented person uh, of the last 50, well, after Michael. After, you know, after Michael, he's the most talented person that I've probably seen in, I'll say, 20, 20 years. Uh-huh. Uh, rap, sing, paint, dance. You know what I mean? It's like this guy, he writes, doesn't act, he does it all. And I just think it's super dope. Wow. It's funny you mentioned that. We were just discussing that exact thing before you came on this, uh, before we started recording about Chris Brown. That's amazing. And we actually came to the same conclusion. But, RL, we're just about out of time. We just want to get your final thoughts. Like, what can we expect in terms of your new project and in terms of if there's any new music coming from next at all, even before the reunion starts? I mean, sorry, before the uh, final run starts. Um. I'll say this with my new music. Uh, well, you know, we have a lot, a bunch of next music. You know, I think that Tilo will be coming out with something. Again, I said Tweet will be coming out with his, you know, uh, hip hop project with his son. His son is super dope. Um, young Rafe. Um, with my project, I just want to make great music that makes you smile. You know, uh, the first single, which is You Are, we're shooting a video actually tomorrow and Monday. Um, oh. It was originally going to be something for Mother's Day, and I sent it to my publicist, the key, and she was like, she said, I couldn't listen to the whole record straight through. She's like, I'm not super sensitive, but I cried wow. every time wow. I played it. And I know I sent it to Tom, and you can give it to the guys. Play it for you. If you got daughters, wives, moms, play it for them. Um, it's just a record celebrating women. I wrote it, you know, a little while after my daughter was born, and I wanted to do something that was fly, yet you could really hear me sing, yet had a subject that could transcend and last forever. And then after that, we got a record we're trying to put Snoop on and we're trying to do a few other things. But the album is pretty much done. It's called The Procession. And the reason it's called that is because it's talking about a funeral procession. Everybody thinks I'm on my way to my funeral. They're already trying to bury me. And I have so much music left. And I'm basically saying I'm not dead. You know, a lot of times people will see me, but, oh, my God, you look the same, or what have you been up to? Or, or man, you're still around. And I'm like, dang, what, you, you, you guys are planning my, my eulogy already? And I think mm. that we kill off a lot of our great artists before that needs to happen. And mm. we lose out on a lot of great music that could be coming out. So it's called the procession because it really, you know, signifies everybody thinks I'm on my way to my funeral or to the cemetery, actually, and I'm not. I'm on, my, I'm on my way to the studio, okay? Yeah. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about music again. I'm excited about creating. I know that when we first got on the call, you guys can hear music in the background because I wake up, brush my teeth, wash my face, take my vitamins, and come in the studio. That's what I do mm-hmm. every day, all day, because I owe it to people like you guys that push us and promote us like no one else will to make sure that I represent you guys the way you represent us. So, you know, I feel bad for the Jaggers, the 112s, to have all this wonderful music. I know Jaggers' new album is about to come out. They have the new single. And I just hope that people start understanding and listening and not just thinking, okay, well, oh, I, do I just stream it? You know, what do I need to do? I remember a day when we would go to the record store or, you know, yeah. download the record, you know, show support. You know, they'll come to a concert and want to hear nothing but the old records. They don't realize there's a bunch of new music out here by these great artists. And just open your mind to it. Don't try to, again, bury us before it's time. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> cool. So 
Carl, I know we're we're out of time, but I would just like to say, I mean, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. But man, once this next run is over and you're off to your solo endeavors, a couple things I want to, I'm hoping for. Number one, that you have mega success with your solo career. Number two is just, man, keep on writing and keep on helping out this new generation. Like Jaquise is out here calling himself the king of R&B. Well, he needs some RL records because I think that's what it's all about. If you're going to call yourself a king, you got to be able to deliver, and RL is the guy to do that. It's funny, yeah. it's funny you yeah. say that because I literally talked to his manager because before we got Ty on the pull-up record, we thought about putting um, Jaquise on there, and we ended up going with Ty. Uh, because of some relationships we had, and it was a better look for this record. But I actually sent a message to Jacquees's manager and said, I got records, let's get in the studio so we can prove the naysayers wrong. And there was no response. I know that I have a record, I've, I've had many records for him, and I know he's in the A, but I went through the proper channels and there was no response. So I know what will mm-hmm. happen. You get one record out and people will start coming, oh, I need a record. That just means the price doubles. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> all right, all right, you know, we're pretty much out of time. I want to thank you once again, man, for joining us. Man, you shared so much insight, man. We really appreciate you so much. All right, so that was RL on the podcast. And Tom just had to drop. I think he had baby duties. But, man, Ed, I'm glad he was able to stick around for RL because that was great. That was a great interview. RL's one of our boys. Has long been one of our biggest supporters, so it's always good to have the homie on and have someone who's not only been in this industry for years doing the thing, but at the end of the day, is just a fan of the music too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's quickly continue where we uh, left off earlier. Um, the Dream versus Neo. Who are you taking as a songwriter, Ed? This is a tough one. Mm. I know the Dream fans are going to yell at me. I'm going to go Neo because I feel like Neo has just a slight bit of diversity to his songwriting. And that, and not that Dream doesn't, but I think that Neo has just been able to permeate songs a little bit better than the Dream has as far as the actual songwriting not just themes themes they're on pretty much the same level actual writing i think that neo gets a slight edge yeah i think for me neo is his writing and and the music he's done it's probably more of the stuff i'll listen to uh generally what i'll say about the dream is that he can write those big big records like an umbrella like a single ladies but the thing for me is i don't go back and listen to those like years later, I know they're big records and I know they did what they were supposed to do, but those aren't records that I'll go back and listen to every day. But Neo, well, they were like, I let agree. me love you. Like I still listen to that. And that's, the, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like dream has a great knack for records that permeate with his, with a specific audience. I feel like a record, like let me love you is a little bit more universal. And I think that's the diversity that I was talking about a little bit. The ability to catch the ears beyond just the specific audience that you're writing toward. Yeah. Um, Ed, can we get into the Player Please Awards? Of course. Who are we trashing today? Um, I guess, well, first and foremost, I guess we got to trash Jaquise's management for not replying to RL. 
<laughs> I love that RL put him out there for that because y'all call me a Jacquees hater. But listen, respond to that man's phone call. Stop tripping. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on, we talked about this last week with Tom, but this whole LMA and Jacquees debacle, why is it still happening? I don't understand what's going on here. It's like Ella woke up one day and was like, hey, he's still singing my song. And then Jacquees rattles off his list of accolades. And, oh, all of them have gone gold. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean they're good. Because at the end of the day, if you think of Jacquees, the random person on the street will name Trip. Like, that is the song he is associated with. I don't care how many accolades you got for streams or whatever. It's Trip, and that's her song. She has every right to be annoyed by it, but he brought out the receipts. And, and look, why are we arguing about this? Who cares? Y'all give me new albums, and then that'll give me something to argue about. <laughs> exactly. And uh, second player, please, is going to go to our friend Victoria Monet, who's actually a friend of the podcast, so it's kind of messed up that I'm giving her a player, please, but I'm doing it. No, oh, no. What does she do? So, as you know, she's been working very closely with Ariana Grande since her debut, actually. Uh, they released a record called Monopoly um, earlier this year. Do you know that song? I know that song. Um, do you like that song? Nah. Alright. Um, <laughs> so... The song features Ariana Grande and Victoria Monet as an independent artist managed to chart on the Billboard um, with that record. Ed, I could chart with Ariana Grande on my song. You sure could, and she'd be mumbling incoherently on that song too. I was just arguing with a friend of mine about Ariana. I like Ariana. I like her new album. But if that woman does not open her mouth and enunciate once... Jeez, you're such a talented singer, but use the syllables and the vocals. Give it, give me words and that. <laughs> sound like a chipmunk. But when she sings, she sings. It's just we don't get that all the time. Get her to actually no, sing on your record, Kyle, and you'll have a hit. It's funny, and again, the only reason why I'm getting Victoria, Mon- Victoria Monet uh, player, please, she was celebrating a little too much on Instagram. But hey, she's an independent artist, so I get it. So maybe we'll I rescind mean, that player, please. <laughs> well, I will never rescind the player, please. But I mean, I can't be mad at her for being excited about that. Success is success, so good for her. But I don't know. Everybody just yeah. calm down a little bit. But I did read an interesting article, and this might be what the player please is for, if we're going to rescind it, is uh, I think people were investigating into Ariana Grande's huge run that she's having right now, where she has like five songs on radio, and someone looked on the radio's website, one of their local radio stations, and I think they played Ariana Grande in the span of like a day. They probably played three Ariana Grande songs an hour. That's a lot of Ariana Grande head. No, that's exactly, and that is not new. Anybody who has been following kind of radio culture for the past couple decades, that's not new. In fact, that's why I ended up giving up on radio when there was this span, probably during the Mimi era for Mariah, where it was literally Mariah, Sierra, Mariah, Sierra. It was like back and forth on multiple stations. It was like driving me crazy. So this is just a tactic that... That radio's been using forever. 
That's how we're beefing up these streams. That's how we're beefing up these listens. It's all games. And it's kind of crazy, just, man, I, I don't even remember the last time I listened to the radio now that I think about it. I think I've tapped out and given up as well. I think this actually happened during, like, the EDM era, where everything was just, like, the chorus was just techno music. And, no. uh, yeah, I haven't gone back. <laughs> no. 05 is what was, was my tipping point. And then every once in a while, if I go home to visit, I really like my college station. Shout out to 91.1. They, um, they really kill it. So I listen to them when I head back to VA. Other than that, that's about it. I can't deal with the radio. Right, right. Um, Ed, I think that seems to be it for this week. Um, what's going on with SoulInStereo.com? Oh, lots going on with Soul and Stereo this week. Um, we had, as of this recording, um, not long ago, we've heard a new record from Anderson Pock. He's back finally with Ventura, so I've got a review of that. If you weren't a fan of his most recent album, Oxner, and a lot of people that I know the reviews for that on Mix, you'll probably really enjoy this one because it's a throwback to the Malibu sound. He kind of heard what y'all was saying this time, so he was like, okay, they didn't like when I went left let's go back to basics and that's what he did so shout out to an artist who actually listens to his fans that's a good record also the return of whatever happened to i know everybody's like when are you gonna do another one it takes me a while to do these this research player so we look back at the story career of aaron hall of guy there are a lot of people listening to this (laughs) podcast who are not on aaron hall but before there was cousin chris before there was, well, not before Bobby Brown, but just as infamous as Bobby Brown, there was Aaron Hall, and that man stirred up some stuff. Go check out soulandstereo.com and check out what he's been up to, what he was doing, and how the man went from one of the most celebrated voices in R&B in the early 90s to having a YouTube show about dogs and bragging about his penis on Vlad TV. Well, actually, it's funny because we actually uh, we were trying to book Aaron Hall last week for the podcast, um, and then we read your post, and then we're like, maybe we shouldn't. Oh no, maybe we should. Boy, that podcast will get downloaded. <laughs> we might be that pod. This podcast might be over if Aaron Hall joins us, or it might be just beginning. It depends on how much drama you like. All right, we'll rename Vlad TV to Ed TV. How about that? <laughs> yes, let's do that. All right, Ed, I think we are out of here for this week. Um, I know you're going to stay busy and listen to that Uncle Sam record. It, oh, my god. Ed, goodness. you know what, though? we got to give you some shout-outs because uh, after you talking about this Uncle Sam record, we posted it on our Facebook, and the fans were going nuts. <sighs> it was a big record in his day, but talk about – y'all call my man Keith Whining. Uncle Sam was sounding like a two-year-old on that song. Ugh, just – I can see why his woman left him. <laughs> All right, Ed. I think that's it for this week. Uh, as for you know, I got so guys, just visit the Facebook page, the Instagram, the Twitter. We're posing questions all day long. And Ed, before we get out of here, I'm just going to quickly ask you, what's the better record? Can we talk by Tevin Campbell or come and talk to me by Jodeci? And we're going to end it off with oh that. So just give me your answer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> why can't you do this to me? The first thing that pops in my head is Tevin. So I'll go with that one. I actually told Tom last week that uh, 
that record to me is the greatest 90s r&b song period it's still it's top 10 no question we did not treat tevin as well as we should we did not protect tevin bring tevin back bring tevin bring everyone back yeah and leave uh leave the uncle rappers at home Come on, auto, even Uncle, Uncle Sam. Auto tune guys. <laughs> no, Uncle Sam stays home with auto tune guys. Oh man! All right, we'll uh, check back in next week. Hopefully, we have another special guest on the way. Shoutouts to RL for joining us. We love that dude. And uh, guys, I guess we'll see you next week. We're out. See you next week.